Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody? And welcome once again to the Links and Locks podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from Rotowire, and we are about to break down the WM. Phoenix Open from a fantasy perspective, looking at all the plays from top to bottom on the board on DraftKings this week for DFS. I am at TBC Scottsdale for the event this week. And Len, you were asking me before we came on if I was having a good time in Phoenix, what it was like. And I told you, you know, well, so far I've done a couple of radio shows. I've done another podcast. I wrote a 3000 word preview. So it's basically just like working from home, except there are golfers somewhere out there. (laughs) Somewhere out beyond where I'm sitting right now, there are professional golfers playing golf. One thing I'm impressed about is that the under the radar name change uh, did not elude you. The Waste Management Phoenix Open, as of a few days ago, became the WM Phoenix Open. I don't know if it rolls off one's tongue any better, but Waste Management, while with good intentions, probably never the greatest name for a sporting event, but good to see you. The wasted terminology, I think, is now going to be wasted on past events and not this one so in any case uh the biggest party in golf this week and as we get into this len i i think the party actually affects the play a little bit and i'll get into it when we start making some of these picks and start talking about who we like but i tend to think it's not a foolproof plan but it takes a certain type of player to succeed on this golf course so we're going to get into that we're going to get into our favorite plays from each of the tiers on DraftKings. we'll make our own lineup. So let's get right to it and start right at the top with John Rahm, who's essentially a local these days, went to Arizona State, lives in the area. He starts out at 11,600. Len, you are much better than me at figuring out whether salaries have some value or whether guys are overpriced based on past events. What do we think of John Rahm at the top at 11,600? Not the fact that, yeah, of course, he's the number one player in the world. He is worthy of being the most expensive player in the field, but is that too expensive? Is that not expensive enough? Is there value there? I was actually surprised. Prices are coming down for the top guys. We don't see the real high prices, and we used to see even an occasional 12. For example, last week, Patrick Cantley, the only guy in the top 10 in a weak field was 11-2. So here's John Rahm, granted number one in the world, 
but in a monster loaded field, 11.6. So I was surprised to see the price that high. You know, as I was going through the whole DraftKings board, the last few weeks, we've talked about struggling to find guys in the sixes to play. This week, I'm struggling to find guys in the tens and elevens to not play. They all seem to bring something to the table this week. It'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Rom, look, I'm not going to talk anybody out of playing John Rom. I've said this in the past if your heart is dead set on hey he likes it here he's got a good record he was playing here and playing well and contending back when he was an amateur this is right up his alley it means something to him i'm going to take him i'm certainly fine with that i would expect him to have a decently high ownership this week but len i actually like justin thomas a little bit better this week i think jt is playing with a little fire playing with a little chip on his shoulder i was just out at the range it's late monday afternoon as we're recording the podcast right now jt out there with uh, his dad mike and of course bones mckay his caddy working hard on the game i didn't even walk up to them there's some players when you know there's kind of hitting some shots there's kind of tooling around on the range a little bit where i can walk up and exchange pleasantries and talk to him a little bit jt i didn't even want to bother him because he was working pretty hard out there i think he's ready for a big week it's been 11 months now since his last victory that has him a little fired up and he was in position at Torrey Pines for the Farmers Insurance Open a few weeks ago. Did not play his best golf on the weekend, fell way down on the leaderboard. I think this is a nice get-right spot for JT. Wouldn't surprise me to see him win this event, and certainly I I like him among all the players in the 10,000 to 11,000 range this week. Well, I don't know how blasphemous this is going to sound, and I understand your recording, so this will be there forevermore. But going through my Rotowire picks, I do pick four guys in the top tier, four different tiers of four. And for better or worse, have gone without John Rahm and Justin Thomas this week, the two top guys. It's a very tough call to say I'm fading them is overstating it. You know, Rahm has played well here, but he's sort of been ninth, 11th, 13th. His best finish ever here was his first time fifth in his debut. And Justin Thomas, he's finished third two of the last three years. That's really good. Those are his only two top tens in seven visits. Granted, they're more recent, but neither guy seems to have been playing lately as well as they are capable of. For better or for worse, I'm sidestepping both of them this week, and I'm kind of asking you now not to bring it up next week when it blows (laughs) up in my face. I'm telling you, I'm on JT. I've made a handful of lineups already where I feel like there's enough guys you can dip down lower and still put JT in the lineup and you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. By the way, it's Monday afternoon. There's music thumping here already. I don't know if you can hear that coming through the speakers here on the podcast, but guys, it's Monday. Tone it down a little bit. We got a long week ahead of us. I don't think they're going to listen, but I I tried. Do the whole get off my lawn thing. All right. Patrick Cantley, third on the board on DraftKings 10-7, followed by Hideki Matsuyama. Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth coming off that runner-up finish. Xander Shoffley. Brooks Kepka, the defending champion, Sam Burns, Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler, and we close out this top tier at 9,000 with Bubba Watson. I'll go first. Of these guys, like Matsuyama, there's not a lot to dislike about Matsuyama, both recent form and course history. He's won here twice. Hasn't played his best golf here in the last few years, but he does have that history. We know he can play well here. Victor Hovland's just a guy that has no history here, but he's not a guy that I'm really into fading right now. I probably won't have 
a huge Hovland investment, but I do like him. Jordan Spieth, I feel like there's a huge parallel to last year when we played Phoenix first. He shot 61 in that magical third round, finished in fourth place, then went to Pebble, the opposite of this year, finished in third place at Pebble. I think coming off that runner-up finish, it's going to be another nice one for Jordan Spieth. And then I'll go down to Scotty Scheffler at 9,100. Those are the guys that interest me at the top of the board there for DraftKings. Anybody else you're looking at that you really like this week in this group? I do like most of the guys you mentioned. Hovland, you're right. He actually played here once before a couple of years ago, missed the cut. It's irrelevant the way he, he's doing now. He's won three of his last five starts. None of them have come in the United States. He won in Mexico, the Bahamas, and Dubai. I'm kind of guessing that's useless information. You said a moment ago that it takes a special type of guy to play in this atmosphere. And that's the thing for Hovland. He played here once before, 2020. He missed the cut. I mean, that's irrelevant now. The key thing for him is whether he can really embrace the atmosphere here. Like you said, it's going to be a different type of week in a lot of ways, and guys will enjoy it, guys will not enjoy it. Presumably the guys who keep coming back are okay with it. I'll mention that Sam Burns, I like at 9,300. You know, I'm wondering if the fact that he missed the cut last time out, there's so much recency bias in this golf Twitter and golf prognostication and stuff that might move people off of him. I mean, he just had to miss a cut at some point. The last 10 tournaments, he won a second, a third, a fifth, a seventh, an eighth. I mean, his worst finish in those last 10 starts 21st. So, and he was 22nd here last year, and he is a significantly better golfer now than he was. So this will be an interesting litmus test for him against the real big boys in golf. Yeah. And I do like Sam Burns a lot. I'm bullish on him every week. I don't know that Poa Greens are going to be his best surface this week. I'm looking for him more so when we get to Florida in a few weeks and beyond that. But I like him every time he tees it up because he is indeed that good. Let's get to the guys in the 8,000s and Len, this is a usual sweet spot for me. This is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll target two, three guys in the 8,000 range where I go, you know what? I'm confident in them. They've got a high floor plus a high ceiling. These are guys that at the very worst, they're going to finish in 25th place. And at the very best, they have a chance of winning the tournament on Sunday. I'm looking at it right now and I go, eh, I just don't love anybody. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen has a really nice record here. Has not played competitive golf in four months. Hasn't played since the middle of October. Now, granted, I talked myself out of Matt Fitzpatrick last week because he hadn't played in two months. One man's rust is another man's fresh start. And so maybe we'll look at a guy who hasn't played in a while and we say, okay, well, he's raring to go. Let's get him out there. So I like Louie. I'm not going to shy away from him, but I certainly don't love him at 8,800. I like Russell Henley at 8,200. An okay record here. He kind of goes back and forth with making the cut, missing the cut every year. And this is a miss the cut year. Every even number Mm. year, he tends to miss the cut. I like him. I like Russell Henley every week. He's tied for fourth on the PGA Tour with consecutive cuts made at 10, which is a nice little stat if you're looking for that high floor from a guy at his price. But I don't really see a whole lot of guys in this range that I'm interested in. I'm with you on that. And certainly the top half of the eights. I will say Ustazin, he has not played. He didn't play any of the South Africa tournaments this year. Last week, Bubba Watson played for the first time in a long time. I don't know if he made the playoffs or made just one playoff event last year. And he hadn't played since then. And he was right there in Saudi Arabia and 
shoulda, coulda, if it wasn't for Harold Varner. You know, Seamus Power, 8,400. I mean, people might be looking at Seamus Power again and say, well, he blew the tournament last week. He did, in a way. I mean, he was leading by five, but what was that on Friday or Saturday? And when all is said and done, he did fade, but he faded to ninth. That's a good week. So he continues to play well. Corey Connors should do well. Ball strikers course. I mean, this should be his green light special here. Interestingly, he's missed two cuts already in January. He missed three all of last year. So I don't know if that's anything. It's too soon for it to be anything. So I'm still on him. And I'm with you on Russell Henley. He should be doing better at this track than he has. He just had never been better than 15th. And at $8,200, 15th would be pretty good. So lower 8,000s for me. One note on Bubba, and I said this on Hitting the Green, my PGA Tour radio show earlier today, nothing he does here makes any sense. Now I get it. It's a course where being long and being creative, being able to work the ball off the tee is very advantageous. That makes sense. Bubba is a guy who has been very open and honest to his credit about the fact that he doesn't like crowds. He doesn't like people near him. He doesn't like people talking in his backswing. He just doesn't like people. He doesn't like being around people. He feels a little claustrophobic when he's inside the ropes and there are that many people up against the gallery ropes watching him play golf. There is no event on earth that has as many people at it as this one. And yet he seems to play well every single year. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. I have no problem if you like Bubba this week coming off that runner-up finish at the Saudi International, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I can't figure it out. In fact, at some point this week, I will go find Bubba and I will ask him why he continues to play so well here, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that there are so many fans that are around him. All right, let's dip down to the 7,000s where I see some more value. In fact, I see a lot of value. I'm going to start it with Billy Horschel, who played really nicely at Torrey Pines a few weeks ago, 7,900. I see him getting into a groove a little bit. He's a guy that hasn't always had a great relationship with the fans, so to speak, here in Phoenix, but I do think he can overcome that and he can have a really good week. Max Homa at 7,600? Did somebody misprice Max Homa this week? Did I miss a tweet from Homa saying that he doesn't want to play golf anymore or isn't feeling good or something? (laughs) Whether it's the betting marketplace or the DFS marketplace, he is completely underpriced on every platform out there. So I like him. Andrew Putnam, who's been fantastic. 27th, 14th, and 6th so far in three starts in 2022. Plays his best golf on the West Coast. I like him at 7,500. And then my favorite play on the board. And so, Len, I'm going to explain to you what I meant earlier about Mm. the intangible this week, playing in front of thousands of fans. First of all, as far as the analytical, I mentioned it. Strokes gained off the tee is a big metric I'm looking at this week. Long and straight always works. Long and straight works a little bit more on this golf course than it does at some others. Okay, let's get to the intangible now. The intangible is I want a guy who goes about his business with a little swagger. I want a guy who likes to show off. I want a guy that, all right, you go to a sleepy little event on a Thursday morning and you got 12 people in the gallery watching. The guy doesn't really get too excited. But when you've got 8,000 people outside the gallery ropes and they're all screaming and yelling, this guy goes, man, This is what I want. This gets me excited. I want that type of player this week. I think that helps describe Brooks Kepka, Gary Mm. Woodland, Ricky Fowler, guys who have won this event in the past. Now, it's not a foolproof plan for picking a winner. Hideki Matsuyama doesn't really fit the profile. Webb Simpson (laughs) doesn't really fit the profile. But Keith Mitchell, to me, is a guy that goes about his business with that swagger that I'm looking for. I think this can be a really big week for Keith Mitchell. He's my favorite outright on the board. Opened at 130 to one, which I think is an absolute 
great play if you can still get him at that number. And at 7,500 on DraftKings, I'm going to have a hard time, Len, making a lineup this week that doesn't have Keith Mitchell in it. Yeah, 7,500, very fair price. I noticed that too. 12th last week, he was 7th when was at the Amex. And so he's had two good weeks uh, already. You know, another guy who I saw who I thought was didn't really fit the price. Abraham answer at 7,900. He's the number 17 guy in the world. He has struggled this year. I mean, in whatever limited play so far this season, he's 150th in strokes gained approach and 90th in greens and regulation. So that's way off for him. And usually those things don't last, you know, guys have seemed to have good putting weeks or good months and get hot. It doesn't seem like iron play gets hot and now either you're good or you're not. So I really think there's value there. The, the thing that concerns me, he's one of about the nine or 10 guys coming from uh, Saudi Arabia to uh, Phoenix. It is a concern, the time change and the travel and all that, but just seemed like the price at 7,900 was the least worth considering. A couple of other players land in the low 7,000s that I'm looking at. This week, Keegan Bradley is a guy that I liked at the Farmers Insurance Open, didn't really work out, but I think he can have a good week here. Cam Davis has never played this event, but this should be a nice one for Cam Davis, should fit his skill set. Aaron Wise, a guy that I absolutely love this week, hasn't played his best golf at this event, but I do think that he's going to bring it this week. I, I just have a great feeling about Aaron Wise at 7,100, very much like Mitchell. He's going to be in an awful lot of my lineups. It's going to be hard to get away from him. Moving down into the 6,000s, I'm going to give you three names here. The first is Adam Hadwin at 6,900. The guy plays desert golf really, really well. That might sound a little weird for a Canadian, but he loves the golf out here and he can go low. We know that. Coming off a couple of good starts, I think Hadwin's a guy that's ready to pop and play some really good golf here soon. Second, Wyndham Clark. Saw him open up with a 61 here in the past. And so Wyndham Clark's a guy that has some offensive firepower. He can drive it and he can putt it. And if he can do a couple of things in between those two, I think he's going to put up some good numbers. And the last guy, guy that I know really well, Brendan Steele. He is one of those guys we always talk about being a horse for certain courses. And what I mean by that is that he tends to play well at the same events year after year after year. And this one hasn't been his best over the last three years, a 30th last year, and that was preceded by two missed cuts. But before that, he was on the leaderboard seemingly every year for about six, seven, eight years. So I think Brendan Steele at 6,500 is a really nice play as well. Yeah, West Coast guy, Brendan Steele, not quite California, but as close as you can get in Arizona. The last few weeks, we've talked about really struggling to find guys in the uh, 6,000s. Well, this tournament has only 132, a nice tidy number. Probably more than half the field is going to make the cut. It's going to be a lot of 6,000 guys are going to make it to the weekend. And then you're almost dealing with house money at that point. And you certainly have a chance for a guy to get hot for one or two rounds and, and get your really nice finish. And I noticed Hadwin too. And one thing I really like about Hadwin and was a little surprised to see was that he had a six in front of his name, 6,900. He's always in the sevens. As soon as he gets below seven, I think there's real value there. A couple other guys, uh, Martin Laird, $6,800. He's played this tournament 14 times, or this will be his uh, 14th time. He's only missed four cuts. Pretty good ball striker this year. Top 20 on tour in his ball striking numbers. So I was a surprise to me. And $6,600, Matthew Neesmith. I'm a believer if I can be a have a pun in there. Really good greens and regulation guy. I'm surprised he doesn't do a little bit better than he has. 
And he did last year. He was seventh here last year. So I could see that happening again, even though he's not in super good form right now. One more name I will throw out there, except there's a little problem. He's not in the field. Cameron Young started last week when the field list came out as one of the alternates. He got in over the weekend. He was knocked back out when there were a few players in the top 10 at Pebble Beach who decided to play this event. He came into Monday as the second alternate when Maverick McNeely withdrew. He became first alternate. If Cameron Young gets into this event within the next 24 hours or so, we're talking here late Monday afternoon, if he gets in and DraftKings decides to price him and put him into the pool, he's a guy who's 19th on the PGA Tour and strokes gained off the tee this season. He's had four top 40 finishes in his last six starts. I would assume he'd be somewhere in the 6,100, 6,200 range, very cheap. He's a guy that I really like. And of course, ownership should be very low if he doesn't get into the pool until later in the week. So those are all our plays going up and down the board. Let's get to the ultimate lineup. Len, it's all you. Kick it off for us. Who do you like? I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. As far as I know, there are no 70-foot cliffs in Scottsdale. <laughs> Not as precarious a situation. And he he was fourth here a year ago, as you mentioned. And that really kick-started his return to being Jordan Spieth. And his ball striking is really good this year. If he ever starts putting, boom, uh, Jordan Spieth. I will say, unfortunate for the people who had Jordan Spieth last week and maybe had an outright ticket or had him in DFS lineups. But I will say that I like him better coming off a runner-up finish than I would have if he had won that event at Pebble last week. I have no problem with that play. I like Jordan Spieth. All right, I'll go with my first play, and I can't sit here and talk about everything I love about Keith Mitchell and then not put him in the lineup. So right off the bat, like I said, I'm going to have a really hard time not putting him in a whole lot of lineups at that 7,500 price point where he is right now. Like you said, seventh at the Sony Open, missed a cut at Farmers where he never plays well, 12th at Pebble, What he does, which is long and straight off the tee, is more advantageous on this golf course than either of the places where he had those top 12 finishes. I think it's going to be a very, very strong week for Mitchell. 7,500, lock it in. I'm big on Mitchell this week, and I actually have him in my personal Rotowire league, so I'm rooting for you personally and professionally on that pick. I'm going to go Taylor Gooch at $7,800. He's never done anything in Phoenix. Missed cut, 61, missed cut. So maybe that will limit the ownership. But of course, I I can tell you, Len, you can miss the cut in Phoenix and still do something. (laughs) A bunch of guys we've seen, they've just metamorphosized over the past year. And Taylor Gooch from a year ago is not Taylor Gooch now. You would think he almost wouldn't want to come back after those three. Why does he keep coming back? Well, he probably thinks he can do something here this week. All right. I like it. We've got some money to spend here and I'm going to go spend up. We can't put Jordan Spieth on this team and not have his good friend, I don't know if you know this, but he's good friends with Justin Thomas. And so uh, <laughs> JT, like I said, I really like him this week. If you are going to spend up, and again, I think it's a decent week to spend up for one or two players. And you've got plenty of guys in the 6,000 range, the low 7,000s that you can offset with at the bottom of the lineup. So I like going high with a guy and Justin Thomas is my favorite play on the board in that top tier, 11,000. We've still got money to spend. We've got 13.8 for the last two players, 6,900 okay. per, and, and feel free to spend some money, Len, and I'll make do since I spent a lot on JT. I mentioned Martin Laird. He's played this so many times, so obviously he likes coming here and to deal with it, and most of the times makes a cut. I was a little surprised. He's 39 years old. 
still pretty good ball striker. Top 25 in approach, top 25 tee to green, pretty decent wedge player. Of course, that means putting issues, but I think you can get away with that here. And especially once we get to the weekend, we can hope for the best. So he knows how to play this course. Martin Laird, 6,800. All right. I won't say too much about the last player. We've got 7,000 left, but we were just talking about him before we started making the lineup. Adam Hadwin at 6,900. Plays really well when he plays in the desert. He has an ability to go super low. I like him in a few different platforms this week. Prop plays. Top 20, I think, is a nice play. I think Adam Hadwin finishes mid-teens, something like that. I don't know if he seriously contends, but I also don't see him having a bad week. That's just fine for a player at his price point, 6,900. There we go. Gooch, Hadwin, Laird, Mitchell, Spieth, JT. What do you think? Well, I think that uh, Jordan and Justin are going to want to play the first two rounds of our three pairings together, and then the other four guys are just going to have to figure it out. All right. I like it. We've got some swagger. We've got some buddies, and we've got some birdie makers on that lineup. Len Hochberg, thanks so much, as always. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, listen, download, subscribe, rate us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Jason Sobel. He's Len Hochberg. Good luck with all of your DFS lineups this week. Here's hoping you guys hit the grade.